One of the best ways to keep up with church life is through the City Life app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sunday, explore the Bible while listening to messages, stay up to date with church life through our Connect section, and much more. Download the City Life app in the App Store or Google Play Store today. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. And uh, and I want you to get your Bibles, get them open up to the book of Second Corinthians, New Testament, not Second Chronicles. That's Old Testament, but Second uh, Corinthians, chapter number four, verse seven. Find your place there and hold it. We're going to come to that passage about halfway into the message. Second Corinthians four seven. So I want to remind you guys about the partners banquet tonight. I'm very very excited about sharing with you uh, things that have that, uh, that that have not shared with the congregation at all in the past as we move toward launch. Uh, some huge, huge uh, steps we're taking forward, and uh, it's going to be a very, very fun and interactive night, something like we've never experienced before at a partner's banquet, so look forward to seeing you tonight at six. Don't be late. All right, let's jump into God's Word. I, uh, As we jump in here, I, I have this three little words I want to share with you, and um, and this is just, this is this is something that uh, that's just true. Uh, life is hard, right? Yeah, amen. Praise God. Life is hard. Look at you guys. You're amen to me on life is hard. But that's but it's true. Life life is hard. It is. And the scriptures make say nothing different than that. It doesn't say life is easy. Life is a piece of cake. And and sometimes people think, well, Christians always say that life is easy. No, we don't. No, we don't. I don't. That's that's not true at all. Uh, in fact, sometimes we think that life is harder today than it's ever been. And and uh, I, you know, I've I felt that when I was a kid. I I, I my life was hard. I mean, my life was hard as a kid. I would tell my parents, it's like, I don't like riding that bumpy, dusty school bus and, 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 and in the Texas summers, or not summers, but in Texas, you come home in the afternoon and it's blazing hot and you're sweating and you're thirsty on that bus and, and it's bumpy and you get a headache. It's no fun. There's no air conditioning. I'd have to go to school and sit in those uncomfortable desks. And if you put up with that kind of stuff, oh, misery, misery. And, uh, you know, I mean, did, and at home, like, my sister was just irritating. It's just, oh, uh, and, and my, my, my parents had this big family station wagon, you know, with the fake uh, wood grain on the side. It was, it was terrible. It was terrible. I was, I was embarrassed of that. Like, you know, do not pick me up in this. Oh, they're coming. Oh, no. You know, I would hide. Uh, I, I would get sinus headaches when I was a kid, but, and, and my parents didn't know about allergy medicine. It was caused by allergies. And, and so I, I dealt with all this, all these years. Then I realized, like, you take Sudafed and you're okay. You know, it's like, it took me years. I, I had to wear glasses ever since third grade. And, and uh, my glasses would break. I broke my glasses constantly. My parents like we don't we can't afford afford to do that, but we can afford super glue. I mean, I had, my glasses were super glued together so much. I took super glue with me to school because I knew I was going to break it and have to super glue my glasses back together. Uh, my mom made my own shirts for me, and and then she bought my pants at J.C. Penney's, and and uh, I you know I was life was hard. Life was hard. Do you guys feel bad for me? Oh, thank you. Well. Like my dad never felt bad for me, and, and if I ever told him how hard my life was, he was like, "Well, let me tell you about when I was a kid." 
like, great, here we go again. And so so I knew I was going to get the story again. He's going to talk to me about how he hitchhiked to and from school in the snow, 14 miles, and how he had to come home and milk the cow, how he had to plant the potatoes and harvest the potatoes, how he had to go out and shoot squirrels for the family so they could have food. Uh, you know, li- that was what life was like in the Great Depression and during World War II. Uh, he talked to me about his fa- how his family would hike to church through some paths in the woods, and at, at night he'd have to come back with the lantern and his knife to watch for snakes to kill the snakes so they don't get the rest of the family, you know, coming home from, from the little Baptist church they went to. Uh, so uh, so it's like, and he said, you know, your life's hard? Like, okay, Dad, all right, it was harder then. <laughs> I still never even believed his stories. I do now, but I, I just thought they were just too far-fetched. But but sure, life was harder back then, and, and I think life was even harder when I was a kid than when than, than life is today. But, but, there's, but the truth is, is that in reality, there are some hard things about life that are just timeless, such as relationship pain and and uh, things falling apart in, in lives. It's 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 painful no matter when you lived. Uh, you know, back in Bible times, you know, life was not easy. It was it was, it was hard. In fact, Paul he was the leading missionary and church planter that we know in the New Testament. Uh, Paul was a man that was radically saved by Jesus uh, after, um, you know, after Jesus' ministry on this earth. And and he was he was going around planting churches throughout the, the uh, old Roman Empire. And he had haters. He had haters, people who would exaggerate stories about him and just tell flat out lies about him. And he had to deal with that a lot of times. The truth is, you know, he had a big target on him. And here, here's the deal. It doesn't matter if you're doing something big, whether it's something big in your company or something big in your nation or your city or something big for God, All you're just putting a big target on yourself because people love to shoot at anyone who's doing anything big. So you want to do something big? Get ready. People are going to shoot at you. I remember it was when I was pastoring a large church um, several years ago, we were on television and then you had a, a lot of people knew who we were. I mean, my name would appear in the newspaper all the time. People just saying stuff about me and, and we'd get people dropping into the church just being mean, writing letters. It was crazy. Uh, and, and just like, like the haters were everywhere. And then, then when God called me down here and I resigned that church, all of a sudden all the hate stopped. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, what happened? What happened? But but it's, it's just the way it, it works. And people like to make up stuff and they did it with Paul. And, and he was just getting sick of it. He really, really did not like it. I mean, they were saying things like he's just in it for the money. His life is too comfortable. Uh, he's lazy. Uh, you know, same kind of stuff that, that people would say today. And Paul had to defend himself on several occasions. And in, in uh, he did in this one passage of scripture, I want to read it to you from the Passion Version of the Bible. It's from 2 Corinthians 11. But, but this is how he was dealing, this is what he was dealing with because these guys are going around from church to church talking about him and he just let loose. So you want to hear what he had to say? This is Paul letting loose. Unbridled Paul. <laughs> he says, I have worked much harder for God. I have taken more beatings and I have been dragged to more prisons than they. Oh, he goes on. I have been flogged excessively multiple times, even to the point of death. Five times I've received 29 lashes from the Jewish leaders. And I kind of looked at that and I thought, you know, that was like the Jewish leaders, that would have been church back in those days. Like you go to church, you do something wrong and you get these 39 lashes. Like what kind of a crazy world is that? I mean, I would not want to be going to church back in those days, right? Right? Yeah, okay. Five, and, and this is like the main dude. And five times, like, hey, you did something wrong. <laughs> All right. 
three times I experienced being beaten with rods. Once they stoned me. Three times I've been shipwrecked. How many of you have been shipwrecked once? I didn't think so. For an entire, I, I, for an entire night and day, I was adrift on the open sea. In my difficult travels, I faced many dangerous situations, perilous rivers. You know, the most perilous river you've been is like driving over the Trinity, you know, when it's, when it's in a flood, okay? Perilous rivers, robbers, foreigners, and even my own people. I've survived deadly peril in the city, in the wilderness, in storms at sea, with spies posing as believers. I've toiled to the point of exhaustion, and I've gone through many sleepless nights. I frequently (laughs) have been deprived of food and water, left hungry and shivering out in the cold, lacking proper clothing. Okay, he's continuing to just go on and on and on and on, and he talks about just, just more and more and more about all the stuff that he's going through. Bottom line, what Paul is saying is life is hard. <laughs> life is hard. Now, I do not think the situations in your life compare to what Paul was saying. The truth is, though, still, life is hard. And I do admit that. Maybe you were evicted. You were fired. Uh, possibly the person you trusted the most betrayed you, betrayed you deeply. Maybe your marriage disintegrated. Uh, Your company went over. You discovered that you have inoperable cancer, pain, weakness, troubles. I mean, that stuff happens to every one of us. But the big question that I'm posing to you today is this question right here. Listen carefully. Will you be defeated by your pain and your weakness? Are you going to let it defeat you? Do you realize you actually get to choose? Will you let it defeat you? Um, because pain and weakness, it, it's going to happen. Some of you are in the middle of it right now. Uh, you're looking at situations where it really does seem hopeless. And here's the question, what are you going to do? Are you going to cave into it? Are you going to allow the, the difficulty and the stress and the pain to overtake you? How are you going to handle it? A friend of mine uh, his name is Tom. He's serving time in prison. And he's going to be in prison until the year, his parole date is the year 2054. He'll be about 80 years old at that time. He's in prison for a crime he committed. Um, he's cut off from his family, cut off from you know, basically the rest of the world. His friendships, all that he'd had really all of his life, they've they've all dissolved. Um, I mean, it's like, who wants to be friends with a felon who's going to be in prison until he's 80 years old, you know? Thing is, can Tom even be optimistic? Can Tom even have any hope? Hey, here's a big question. If God is real, (laughs) why is Tom going through all of this? Or is it just what he has to do to pay for his crime? I mean, is God real when your life is full of pain and weakness? The truth is, he is. This week, um, conversing with Tom, I I received this letter. I found it in my mailbox just yesterday. As we exchanged letters, I just want you just to listen to his words. This convicted felon who's in prison. He's lost everything. People don't even talk to him. They're embarrassed to know him. 
is Tim. Thank you. So, well, first of all, he asks all about you guys, the church. He asks about the family. He asks about my sons. He asks about how everyone's doing. And he says, Tim, thank you so much for all of your kind words. I know that the Lord is at work in all of this. I've also had to learn how to just lay unfairness at the feet of Jesus. And no doubt it's been difficult, but the Lord's been with me. Listen to this. He said, but without this experience, I would never know the depth of Christ's love, mercy, and grace. And I still haven't even found the bottom. God's hand is on me. I'm thinking, wait, you're in prison. He's protected me, and he's kept me from trouble, the trouble that's so prevalent in here. I could write for days about how God has revealed himself to me now that he got me out of the way. Praise God, because he's faithful just to complete his work in me. Even if God has to remove everything we have or love in this world. However, whatever goes away, he replaces it in a way that makes it all worth it. I've fallen in love with God's word in ways I've never known. And prayer has become an indescribable, intimate time with the spirit of God. I get tearful thinking how I missed this for so many years, but I have joy and hope knowing that I'll have Jesus for eternity. Thank God. Goes on, says some other stuff to greet the family and things. Then he just puts a little postscript on it. P.S. He said, hey, Tim, please let me know the things that I can be praying for you about and how I can pray for your family and how I can pray for your church. Wait a minute. This guy wants to be praying for our church and for us. He said, also at the same time, please pray for my family and for my appeal. But in reality, this now is his story. It's no longer mine. Yeah, I cried when I read it. <laughs> I did. Um, this imprisoned man doesn't sound defeated. I'll say it again. This felon in prison, paying the penalty for the crimes he's committed, doesn't sound defeated. Okay, let me ask you a question now. So why are you whining around acting all defeated? <laughs> Think about it. Really. Perspective. Yeah, we do. The Apostle Paul, um, even though he had gone through so much, like I just read to you, he shared these words, which I'm really going to base so much I'm going to say today on. He said this in 2 Corinthians 12. I just want you to listen to this. He said, I am not defeated by my weakness, but I'm delighted. Come on, look at that. Look at that line again right there. I'm not defeated by my weakness. I'm what? Delighted. He said, for when I feel my weakness and I endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made weaker? 
No, he says, I am made what? Stronger, for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Now, how in the world does weakness become a portal for God's power? (laughs) You know, when we're weak, when we're down, when we're in pain, the truth is God comes in and fills in those gaps. God's just looking for an opportunity to, to pour himself into you. You know, a lot of times we think God wants to use and pour his power into the great and mighty people. God wants to pour his power into the magnificent and the least flawed. God's looking for some majestic people who are doing great to pour his power into and use them greater. Like, yeah, but the truth is God's actually looking for the best recipients and the best recipients for the power of God are the ones who are jacked up the most. Flawed, hurting, painful, full of weakness. God says, that's what I want to use because you've got a whole lot of room for God to use. And that's good news for everyone in this room. (laughs) I want you to have the same mindset that Paul had. (laughs) And here's the mindset right here. These simple words, don't be defeated, be what? Delighted. Don't be defeated, be delighted. Your weakness becomes a portal for God to move through. Be delighted because God is about to pour his power into you. And for some of you, it's going to happen this morning before you leave this place. Your breakthrough is coming and I want you to believe God for it. I want you to be delighted that God is about to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you can ask or you can even imagine. Yeah, but the truth is we all do have pain, uh, emotional pain, physical pain, um, possibly that, that dull pain that comes from something that happened years and years ago. Pain from loss, pain from words that have been spoken to you, pain from past flawed and broken relationship. I mean, there's not one person in here who has not gone through painful situations, and many of you are in the middle of painful situations right now because pain and weakness is inevitable. And when you face pain, there are really a couple of responses you you will have. One is that you'll just make the choice. You you actually get to choose when pain happens. I'm going to make the choice to make this pain powerful, or I'm going to make the choice to allow this pain to destroy. We get to choose every time. And I'm going to do everything I can to convince you over these next few minutes to make your pain powerful. It is your choice. Now, that, that, that other option of allowing your pain to destroy, well, that's when you decide to run away from it. You react. You decide to numb that pain through distraction or alcohol or, or drugs or, or entertainment or travel or just something to get your mind off of the pain, but it doesn't make it go away. It's avoiding it. And if, if you actually refuse to open that pain up to God and present it to God and begin to process through it, what happens is it begins to erode your life and erodes your joy and, your, and it begins to destroy your relationships. It could possibly even destroy your career or even take your life if you let it. Um, you see, what happens is pain causes us to react and retreat from people in situations where the pain happened. For example, I was making some wonderfully delicious, very tasty just like off the charts, awesome crescent rolls in the oven the other day. Oh, was, Rebecca, were they not good or what? They were like from heaven. But see, what most people, what nobody knows about is as I was making those, I'm so excited about them and I reach inside the oven and my arm brushes up against the oven rack. So immediately I react, 
I back off. I slam that door shut. I retreat. I'm angry at oven racks. Why did it burn me? And then I'm thinking, why can't they make oven racks that just don't get hot? I mean, this is wrong. I don't like, well, why do we even have ovens? Ovens are stupid. And, and you know, my mind went that far in about three seconds. And then I'm going, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, I've escalated this thing way beyond control. But how often do we do that in other areas when pain hits our lives? We do. Of course, reacting and retreating is, a, is an initial response, but if you keep doing that, you're only just giving that pain plenty of opportunity to monopolize on you. Uh, somebody leaves you a nasty comment on Facebook or Instagram, and you retreat and you block them and you say mean things back to them. Oh, a, wor- a co-worker stabs you in the back in a meeting and... and uh, you react and you retreat and you, you decide you're not going to ever speak to them again. You'll never be kind to them again. And their birthday party in the office is coming up here in, in, a, in a few months later. And, and that birthday party comes up and that's the day you're going to call in sick because you are not going to make that person happy. You're not even going to eat their cake. They don't deserve you. What's happened? You've destroyed yourself. Maybe your dad said that you would never amount to anything and you're still reacting and retreating from something that he said years ago and you keep rehearsing those words over and over in your mind. For some of you, that dad has already passed on and he's not even alive anymore. Why are you letting that run your life? Maybe your spouse did something that hurts you deeply and you've reacted in pain and retreat and, and, and you're moving back, but you keep moving back until just like the divorce happens and you give up. So some of you, you've experienced pain at church. You've experienced pain from what a person did to you at church or possibly even what a pastor said or what a pastor did. And so you react and you retreat and say, I'll never ever go to church again. I'll have nothing to do with Christians at all. But the problem is every time you react and you retreat, what you're doing is you're giving that pain a place to grow and to fester and it cannot be converted into the power of God. You, you've allowed yourself to be defeated. And so my encouragement today is like Paul said, don't be defeated, be delighted. Come on, say it with me. Don't be defeated. Be what? Delighted. Yeah, and, and one way to do that is get your mind under control. You know, the, 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 our minds are rehearsing all kinds of things, and, and there may be old habits of thinking that came from your childhood, and, and they have incredible power over you, and these are thought processes that just, just keep going through your mind. Do you know, do you realize that your brain can be retrained? You can simply change the way you think. For years, uh, science and psychology, they, they said, no, that can't be done. You know, once you're setting your ways, you're setting your ways. Well, actually, that's not true now because science has now tells us that, that we have these neural pathways that, that run through our, our, our brains and, and they're kind of like, they're kind of like riverbeds where the water flows easily and, and that's how the thoughts just kind of go into certain pathways and, and you've kind of carved those things into your head. And, uh, and the, the thing is, and that's why actually some people who are perpetually negative, like it can be the most sunny, bright, beautiful day and they're griping and they're grouching about it, you know, they can, they, there's nothing, you, you know who I'm talking, I'm talking about. Some of you go, yeah, that's me. Well, you know, you know what I'm talking about. That's just like, oh, they can't get control of their minds. Why? It's because they've given into those neural pathways that are in their head. It's like, my thoughts always go this way. There's pessimism, negative. Something's going to bad, something bad's going to happen. But psychology now tells us, science now tells us that we can actually dig new pathways for new thought processes. And so there's hope for the negative critical person. 
And it, ta- it, takes, it takes time to retrain your mind, but you can put new truth in there and you can repeat things enough so that it does change you. Okay, I want to show, show you because I give you the opportunity to do this every Sunday. Every Sunday when I preach, I have a little statement. Uh, it's usually a few words and I repeat it over and over in my message. And I'll repeat the, the same thing, oh, sometimes 10, 15, maybe 20 times in a message. Why do I, and I'll put it up on a slide. Why do I do that? So that I, and I, I just call it my main powerful point. And I do that so that it can be something that you can think about, memorize, take a picture of, do a tweet of it, or, or set it as a status or whatever, so that you'll remember it. Like today's is right there. It's right there on the screen right now. I'll just, I'm exposing to you how I do this. I come up with a little slogan, and then I talk around it, and then, then I go home. You know, actually, that's not how it works. I'm just kidding. But... This is important. This is actually, this is not just some cute little slogan. This is God's word. This is what God told Paul to tell you. Don't be defeated. Be delighted. Come on, guys. You get this in you. You keep saying this over and over. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm going to be delighted. Well, but I feel, but I'm not going to be defeated. I'm going to be delighted. Don't be defeated. Be what? Delighted. You got it. And you got it too. Even the kids get it. I love it. You know what? What I love is that science is now agreeing with the scriptures because this has been preached for years. It's been preached for hundreds of years that you, you can change your mind. And now science says, oh, we, I guess, yeah, the Bible's right. You know, Paul said it in Romans chapter 12, verse two. He said, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. I just love it. I love it that, that we now live in this generation where science just keeps finding out more and more and more facts proving the Bible is true. I love this generation. You know what? There's never been a generation like ours on the face of this earth because in this time, as science continues to escalate forward, as research continues to grow more and more and more, they keep saying, it's actually true. That's pretty cool. And somebody said, but my professor said, well, your professor was trained back in the 1920s. Okay, just stop. I don't care. Get the latest info. You know, get these slogans into your head. Get these script. That's why I put scriptures up here. Get these into your mind. That needs to be in your mind. You can renew your mind, and it will cause you to begin thinking different and acting different. In fact, Paul even gives us a list of things of how we should think. Here's how he says it. He said, whatever is true, Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, then think about those things. And when you begin to think about those things, you'll begin to talk about those things, and you now are the one who begins to shift and change atmospheres. You're no longer pulling people down, you're lifting people up. In fact, I say this is a huge reason why we should be in church, because we can be around other people who think like this and talk like this and lift us up, because you know you're not getting it in the workplace. You know you're not seeing it out there in the culture. That's why we need one another. Another thing we should also do is to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what Paul said. He also said you need to fix your thoughts. Get your thoughts, your, your thinking. Get it on Jesus. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to do communion. And, uh, and the, the reason we do communion is to fix our thoughts on Jesus. Did you know that? That's actually the, the, the sole reason why we do it. Uh, uh, when, when Jesus was was telling the disciples to do this, to make this happen. He just said, it's so that your thoughts, your memories will go back to what Jesus did on the cross so that you won't ever forget. 
So you remember the pain, you remember the weakness Jesus went through, and it becomes powerful. (laughs) Don't be defeated, be delighted. Be delighted and begin to request the power of God in your life. Now, I want you to get your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 7. This is my central scripture right here, and I want you to begin to look at this. Get into this scripture right here. This is our passage here. All right, look at this, because this is what Paul is saying. Uh, He he says, like, you know, when, when you see yourself low and you think God has departed, you and, and everything's looking bad for you, I want you to think this way. Look at it. Paul says this, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, I want to stop there for just a moment. That's a little bit cryptic, but let me make it really clear. The treasure, which he's talking about that's in us, is the Spirit of God. So that's saying God's Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is in us, and we have it in these jars of clay. The jars of clay are people. So we're, we're like people. We're, 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 we're easily flawed, you know? How many of you have ever had some pottery and it, and it breaks or something that's made out of clay and it shatters? You know what I'm talking about. I remember when my mom used to used to have me throw out the trash and I would find stuff like that that I was throwing out. I would love it because I would break it even more. Yeah, you know, it was lots of, but, but, but we break easy. We break easy. We are these jars that are made out of clay. But what happens if we're full of the Spirit of God when there's fragile, when when, when things are fragile, when we're broken and we're flawed and there are cracks, God comes and fills it in. That's what's crazy amazing. So look at it. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In other words, Paul's saying, we've got some problems. In fact, he just listed them all for you. He said, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. In other words, he's saying, sure, it might be tough, but I'm not going to allow it to destroy me because God's spirit is in me. I'm telling you guys, that's why prayer and worship and reading of God's word is so critical to every one of us because it gets our thoughts and our minds and our brain to focus on Jesus and God begins to heal our pain and even teach us as well. So don't be defeated, be delighted. Don't be defeated, be delighted. Don't be defeated, be delighted in Jesus. So when pain does happen, I didn't say if, I said when. When pain does happen and it knocks you off your feet, you're going to get your eyes on Jesus because he's going to make your pain powerful. Take delight in Jesus. Jesus is the one who turns things around. In other words, get happy about Jesus. People say, well, well, you, you Christians, you're just way happy about Jesus. I know. It's because I look at myself and I go, ah, Jesus, yes. Oh, I love it. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, get happy about Jesus because God's going to give you the desires of your heart. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Get happy with Jesus and end your spirit of defeat. Push it out. It also says in the book of Proverbs, Solomon wrote these words down. He says, though the righteous fall seven times, and you can even say 70 or 700 or 7,000, though the righteous fall seven times, they will rise again. They will rise again. I mean, you will get back up. Some of you are looking at that right now going, well, that's the righteous people, but I'm not righteous. Well, you're wrong. 
If you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you are righteous before God because there's nothing you can do to measure up. There is no amount of good works, all these wonderful things that you do, acting nice, smile. It doesn't make you measure up. You can't be righteous through that. You're only made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we're about to do communion. So we'll get that back in our heads that we can't manufacture this thing. So if you have the blood of Jesus and you fall seven times, you get right back up. So today I'm saying, get up. Get your feet under you. Stop lying there in that ditch. Stand. Begin to walk. Begin to run. Yeah, you might have some mud and gunk on you, but get back up. Because your best is yet to come. Don't be defeated. Be what? Delighted. Jesus took your pain on the cross. And that is something to delight in. If you're here this morning, you want to move deeper into this with Jesus, I want you to just embrace this time of communion. Listen here, we practice open communion here at our church, which means you don't have to be a part of city life to share communion. You just need to be part of the family of God. And, and uh, I want to make sure that you have that opportunity because what we're about to do is powerful. It's powerful. Listen, this, this, is a, this is an object lesson that we're about to do. Jesus instituted it. But, but what I love about it is the imagery of the presence of God coming into these jars of clay is actually what we're doing. You see, we are taking in these elements of the bread and the juice. That's, that's all it is. But, but it, it has a powerful connection and a correlation to what Jesus, because Jesus said, like, this is my body. I want you to think of this as, as my body. You're taking it in you. <laughs> I become in part of you. And once you take this drink, drink, it becomes it goes into you. I'm part of you. <laughs> yeah, you might be flawed. I'm about ready to pour myself through you. It's beautiful, isn't it? And the interesting thing about it are these two elements, the, the bread and, and, and the juice representing the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus, it represents the pain he went through. Jesus is saying, you know what? I've been through pain. And I'm, I want you to take that into yourself and know that I've, I suffered pain already for you so you don't have to stay in pain. Just let me fill you up. Oh my goodness, guys. Communion is not just some little religious perfunctory obligation that you do at church. No, this is powerful and I want you guys to indulge in it and engage it today. I'd like for there to be no movement in this room at this time. And if you would just be introspective for a moment. I, I really believe that's the best thing to do. If you're, if you're not in a right relationship with Jesus, if Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, and maybe you've ran from God, ran away from him, and you want relationship with Jesus, you want to know this Jesus that I talk about, you want forgiveness of your sins, you want to be made righteous in the eyes of God, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond by simply lifting your hand. That's faith. You'll just lift your hand in just a second. I'll connect my faith with yours, and we're going to pray. You're going to get to receive forgiveness. You get to receive Jesus and then partake of communion. This is powerful. If that's you this morning and you know you need to make things right with God, to count of three, I want you to lift your hand up and in doing so, saying, Pastor Tim, connect your faith with mine. I want to pray this prayer. Come on, one, two, three. Lift your hands, lift your hands. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? Thank you. 
Thank you. You guys can put your hands down. Yes, yes. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words with me, but I want everyone else in this room to pray it as well. Come on, pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, forgive my sins. I believe you're the son of God. So wash me in your precious blood. I choose to become a new creation in you, Jesus. Thanks, thank you, Jesus, for transforming my pain into power. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life, or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more. And City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You can also just come and visit one of our services because I, I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.